This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein, here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks, who's actually out this week. Am I right? Yeah, Jeff is out this week. Again, now, now I'm going to put all this together for you folks real quick. Um, Jeff buys a boat ever since we get a tornado every other week. So that's I just want all of the folks on the coast to know it's him, right, if you need to it's point out Well, and another thing you can add, you know, I was thinking about it this morning when you guys told me he wasn't going to be here, and I thought, you know, it's expensive to be rich. Right. <laughs> We're not going to say that. You can join the conversation well, with us this morning. <laughs> you can join the conversation with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Let's go ahead and go real quick to Marie and Purvis. She's got a question about painting her exterior of her home. What's going on, Marie? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I heard some time ago that it's, uh, the conditions on which you should paint outside have to be, you know, either dry or or um, damp or cold or hot. Uh, what is the best uh, to paint the exterior? Uh, well, I am going to defer to our pro. They're, 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 <laughs> these well, are the if you times. think about the physics of it, um, you know, prep is everything. You want to make sure that the surface you're going to paint is cleaned and dry. Um, I, I'm getting ready to prep my fence. I'm going to do some staining on that. And my preference is, and, and we may have some folks call in and Differ, but I like to do it in the winter months whenever our dew point and humidity is much lower. That way it'll dry out quicker. So when I get ready to prep and I wash that fence off, then I give it a couple of days to really dry out. And then I begin the application. Wow. So my vote is winter cooler days. Okay, winter cooler days for for you now. Now let me ask real quick, uh, Pam. Is there a certain amount of days that one needs to wait after, say, a big rain before they can begin putting paint on? I think that's gonna uh, really depend on the time of year. If you're doing it in July, it's gonna take two weeks for that thing to dry out. <laughs> right. Just because our humidity is so high. But if you're doing it in the, you know, in our winter months here, which you know is relative, you could have, you know, 95 degrees in October. But I think we're moving beyond that at this point. So, um, and I tell you, um, with hurricanes coming through, what my experience is with these crazy hurricanes is once they go through the everything, like I get a headache because my the pressure in the air goes down and it just dries everything out. Some of the most beautiful days I remember are like right after a hurricane goes through. Hmm. Well, look, if uh, if there I know we have an uh, Marie, we have an army of contractors out there listening to us. And certainly a painter is going to call in just moments and set us straight about when the exact right time to paint 
is, and we will put that back out over the air. We appreciate your call, Marie. Okay, I have just one uh, another question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Jeff, Jeff mentioned a few um, months ago about the brand name of the paint for the exterior, and uh, I I forgot to write it down. But for the, I know um, Aura is it for the interior or for the exterior? Um, was that one, Pam, that you mentioned? Yeah, I meant that Aura, A-U-R-A, and I got that over at Seabrook. Um, I would check with them to see if it can um, be put on the exterior. I use it for the interior. I'm not sure that I would spend that much money on the outside, to be honest. Wow. Um, but I would check with, go to the paint, the folks at the paint stores. They'll be able to set you up with and kind of give you an idea. And paint's just like anything else. I mean, you can get a low-grade, mid-grade, or high-grade um, paint. So, And then it also depends if you're going to spray it on or if you're going to paint it on. Because if it goes through a sprayer, you have to thin it out quite a bit. And I don't think you get as good coverage. Well, I'm a big fan of the paint brush. Right. Well, and... and yeah, this is, this is for the eaves of, of our house. The eaves, you know, yeah, um, uh-huh. and I, I will tell you, spraying an eave uh, can can offer a little more danger than even painting an eave with a with a brush, um, depending on how you're doing it. If you don't know how to do that, but, yeah, it's a mess job because you're painting up. That's always hard, <laughs> right? Right, and anything <laughs> over your head is going to get uh, difficult after a while. Well, Maria, That's right. You're going to be that color for well, a while. When Jeff comes back. From the coast, if you, if you don't mind, if you can ask him, because he mentioned the exterior page okay. uh, a few months ago. And then I listen to your show every week, so what? I'll be attentive to, to hear that, okay? Fantastic. I'll, we'll make sure to get it out there. I'll appreciate it. Thank you. Have Thanks, a Marie. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, so, so, okay. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hurricane Zeta coming in towards coast and, uh, and lots of rain, lots of water. I'm sure next week we'll be getting calls again about contractors. Remember, folks, if there, if there's been some storm damage of any sort around your area and, um, uh, there'll be lots of contractors around. Remember to check uh, references on contractors. And if you want to be sure that they are licensed here in the state of Mississippi, you can go to msboc.us. msboc.us. Um, and then we don't want to forget about the uh, Mississippi Housing Institute. Yeah, MHI. Yeah, the and their, their website, it's kind of odd, but it's C cpbms.com cpbms.com okay and that's the mississippi housing institute well, there you go and All let right. me offer another point on that yes if you're going to have somebody come in and give you uh an estimate on the work done you can always ask for references right and you should you should ask for references jeff recommends uh uh, Jeff Sammons from Houseworks, who is also a host here on the show, recommends almost always speaking to the reference of the person they're working with right now or the person they've just finished with. Uh, That's a great idea. You know, so that so that, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of people you're dealing with uh, that you're going to need to deal with, how, you know. What kind of what kind of personality situation you need to deal with? So, so that's something you want to go with. We got an email about just that thing today. Okay, 
um, I'm restoring an old farmhouse and have uh, completed the exterior of the home. What is the best, most sufficient priority to restore the interior? By this, I mean electrical. It will be completely rewired by a professional. What this guy's doing, he's doing plumbing, another professional, interior finish. How would a contractor schedule his subs is another way this could be asked, since I'm acting as, as my own contractor and will do some of the work myself. Um, Pam, uh, being someone who does this quite often yourself, being your own contractor, uh, so if you were doing this on your home, what would you do? Well, I would think about, um, in the order that they need to come and it could be different in every single house Right, is what can be done that won't be messed up by the next person. Okay. So if, if my plumbing is out of the way and it's not going to be affected by the electrical. Um, I'll give you a good example. Okay. We have people that will have, they need foundation issues done. It's on a crawl space and they've got duct work down there. So the foundation people come in, well, they don't really care about your duct work. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's not, that's unfair. It's not that they don't care. It's that it's in the way. And so they're going to tear that up trying to get your foundation even. So I would go with, you know, in that situation, I want to get my uh, electrical and my plumbing done first, and then I have my air conditioning done. Don't do it the other way around because they're just going to mess up what's already there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, your, your plumbing and electrical is your infrastructure, so you want to get those first. And is so if you you're saying based on the home's condition would be in, in the workability would be which one goes first. Yeah, it's going to depend on, like, if I'm looking at something, like, for instance, I'm working, doing some work around my house, and I started with the foundation. And then after I had the foundation done, then I got the plumbing done. And then after I got the plumbing done, I got the electrical done. And then then I had started tackling cosmetic issues outside. But that could be completely opposite in a different house. So I think what you have to do is sit back. And I love this question because it means there's a plan. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Um, so you can make your plan, but don't, um, you know, and I've said this before on this show, if you're going to be doing remodeling, you may want to budget in marriage counseling right. or personal therapy because right. it is stressful. It is. It is. So you could be in the middle of something and a house is kind of just like a person. You could do something and then mess that up especially in these older ones. You get in there. I I did a 100-year-old property on Monday, and we were talking about this very thing because you don't know. Once you start getting into it, you could have a whole other set of issues come up. It's kind of like the ghost in the wall. You know, you tear that out, and you've got rotten wood, or the flashing's not good, or the window's leaking, or whatever. Well, now you're sidetracked. Right. So get your plan, but don't be married to your plan. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So uh, let me ask you this. We're talking today because we're right here sitting on top of Halloween uh, about some of these DIY disasters. And I want to go ahead and kind of bear my soul on the air and let everybody know. Now, Java's heard this, but he's shaking his head because he knows just how pathetic it is. But remember, I host a show about fixing things. That doesn't mean that I do that. Sometimes it means that I break them, which is why I need a show. So anyway, 
Um, I was remodeling our bathroom. We had a little bitty closet bathroom, uh, a full bath. And then right beside it, the wall next to it, we had a little closet. Uh, so I blew out that wall. I had already checked it out, blew out the wall, uh, got a, a, a double sink vanity and, you know, just did a lot of things to really fix it up. Well, I had it right on. I was done. Uh, plumbing, electrical, the whole nine yards, I was done. And, uh, when I was finished, I finished at night, woke up in the morning and went to work. Well, while I was at work. One of these pieces of gray plastic pipes, kind of cheaper gray plastic pipes that you use in plumbing. This is terrible. People hardly ever use them anymore. But it popped out. And so by the time I got home, or that time my daughter called me, hey, Dad, the house is flooded. By the time I got there, (laughs) it was... It was no less than $56,000 worth of, worth of water damage to my home. Whoa! Yeah. All for dad doing a little DIY project. So <laughs> let that be a lesson about how deep you go with your knowledge. So uh, do you, uh, you know what, I'm going to hear about a DIY fail that you've done. And I know, Pam, you're going to have to admit, you're going to have to admit that you did one of these here coming up. Oh, yeah, I do them all the time. But let me talk about your great pipe. Right, yeah. (laughs) Hang on. The polybutylene, (laughs) we'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh, We're going to go to break. It's time for us to take our first break for the hour. Today, we're looking for your home improvement nightmare stories and any other projects you may be working on. Call us with your questions, comments, or just tell us what project you're doing right now. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll talk about uh, Pam's boo-boo next. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pivas, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Jeff's out this week saving his boat. Join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. I do have to say it's just really sad. Thinking about Jeff. Guy gets a boat like eight weeks ago and gets four hurricanes. So, anyway. Um, so. It is 2020. I, I know. You know, this was the year to buy, right? Okay. So, uh, I wanted to talk real quick about before the break, I had mentioned that I had made a small error in plumbing that cost me $56,000. Um, <laughs> which I flooded it. So, but anyway, you were wanting to mention this this uh, particular piece of gray pipe that I was using at the time. And uh, it, I think it was polybutylene or something of that nature. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. And uh, folks can Google that. It's not being used anymore. And it's not the pipe itself. It's the fittings. The fittings. Yeah. <laughs> well, my pipe, the pipe didn't break at all. The fitting no. popped off and the and the pipe came out of the hole and then just started pouring water. 
Right. Yeah. Polybutylene, the fittings are known to fail. And I, I believe now some insurance companies won't insure a house that's got it. So that is, that is we're true. always looking for that to, because of, of the failure in that. So you have to be really careful. Plumbing is, you know, in my horror story, I've got two of them. One was I was doing a similar thing, Jason. Mm-hmm. I was redoing a bathroom. This has been about 20 years ago. And I was working on, uh, I, t- I went down to the studs and I was going to run some new lines and put in a clawed tub, uh, claw-footed tub. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was so excited. And I, um, I was doing some of the work myself and I contracted some out. Well, I could not get one night, I was working on one of the PVC plumbing lines and I couldn't get the cap to fit so I could turn my water back on. Right. And I would, I would get it, I'd get it on there and I'd go back out the yard and I'd turn it on and it would leak. And so I'd come back and it was late and I was so tired. So I got a hammer. (laughs) You know, you you can stop right there. Anytime someone said the only tool that worked for me at that moment was the heaviest thing I could pick up. So go. All right, what did you do with said hammer? hammer? Yeah, it was a bad time. I actually cried myself to sleep that night. Oh, no. It was a bad. But the other one was really a little bit more embarrassing because it was public. Uh, uh, I live in an old house. It was built in 58. And I didn't create this problem. I just kind of contributed to it. My fireplace was built in an old carport. Uh, Paul Paul did. I was calling Paul Paul fixes. Paul right. Paul was like, "Okay, honey, you want a fireplace? I'll fix that for you." And when Paul Paul built it, he built the uh, the he framed it with the wood touching the flue. And this is a wood burning fireplace. Um, and so, after several years of of Pammy burning her fireplace. She was walking the dogs one morning and looked up and there was smoke coming out of my chimney. Oh. And I was like, oh, that is just not a good idea. That's just not supposed to be happening. So thankfully, the fire department's right around the corner from me. And I called them and they were there like in 30 seconds. And as they're pulling the hose in the front door, they looked at me and said, aren't you that home inspector? <laughs> Ouch. No, I am like, not. I am not yeah, that person. Yes, get in there. Get, get not that today. And yeah. they had to. They chopped out the only way that we knew because there was no access to this chimney is they and they were fabulous. They pulled all the stuff off my shelves because I had built shelving around this fireplace. They pulled everything off and they cut into the wall and they um, got the fire out. But they had to chop through my roof and chop through my wall and got everything out. So I think that was like it was about thirty thousand dollars. That's a bit dramatic. Yeah. Okay. Kind of damage, yes. Right. Yeah. At the home inspector's house. Right. All right. Uh, real quick, let's go to Kenneth on the phone and Jackson. Uh, what What were you doing, uh, Kenneth? What horror story did you have? Oh, I need. Uh, I just have a question. Yes, sir. Where Where can we get a uh, a manual that uh, tells the Mississippi Electrical Code? Oh, a manual for the Mississippi. Uh, well, they do have code manuals. Uh, Pam, can you speak about that? Well, boy, is that a can of worms. Yeah. Um, because the problem is um, code is dependent on the municipality, what their folks have voted on, and how it is being enforced. 
So I would be very careful. The only time code would apply would be in new construction. And the code that is applicable is going to be the municipality that is built in and how they are enforcing that. You can't theoretically bring an old house up to code. For instance, one of the things, the misconceptions we get a lot about electrical is people think in old houses that have two wires, that my house, for instance, that I'm going to add ground fault interrupters, which are those outlets that the button, you know, pops off. Right. That I have to add those because it's code. Well, that's not true because the code in 1958, if there even was one, is not the same as 2020. So to bring a house up to code would be incredibly expensive if it's an older house. Now, with that being said, if you're going to do a massive remodel and you're pulling permits, then the whoever is following that permit is going to require specific things for safety reasons. So I would check with whoever your code enforcement people are in your town and ask them which code are they following and what are they going to require. So where, where am I going to go for that, Pam? Who do I talk to? Probably like a, I'd start at like a public works Okay. Uh, but you can go online and see who's doing the code enforcement for your particular area. Now, if you're rural, uh-huh. if you're out in the middle of nowhere, there is not going to be anybody. No. So, you know, trying to find the manuals and the International Code Council and um, NEC, National Electrical Code, um, and, and some of our electricians may have some more information on that. But just be careful about trying to... Bring something up to code that wasn't built to that code. Right. Uh, uh, Kenneth, uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Jackson. Okay. Okay. Um, guys. Okay. Guys, I actually looked up online, uh, you know, with the magical Google, Google machine. Wow. And um, uh, I found the number for the Jackson Code Enforcement uh, Kenneth, just like Pam, what you were saying, you want to go with your your municipality. And for the Jackson Code Enforcement, Kenneth, if you can take this number real quick, uh, yeah. 601-960-1159. And there, okay. uh, that's for Jackson Code Enforcement for the city of Jackson. All right. And Thank Kenneth... There are several people, places online where you can look at uh, electrical best practices. Uh, a lot of people have this, especially safety best practices. Um, and there are several resources online. But in, in some of those come, you can even check out your local power company has several things on their website that, that they show how, you know, what one can do and what cannot. So, but go and check out electrical safety. You'll find several national codes for best practices, the way you should do it here or here. And then you've got to add your uh, local municipalities, actual codes on top of those, those best practices practices i'll get the word out i'm sure (laughs) all right thanks a lot kenneth we appreciate it if you'd like to get your call on it's 877 mpb ring that's 877-672-7464 you know what another another uh horror story 
we would love to hear. But you know, uh, Java Java did a thing for us the uh, the other day about this uh, about the nightmare fixes that you've done in your home. And the first thing he's got on this list, Pam, is the one thing both you and I did: going large in a small bathroom. Uh, you know, taking taking a bathroom, a, a a so what bathroom, and really going big with it and making it great. You know, but going in really big. But sometimes if you go in, the problem is, is that uh, some of the more upgraded fixtures are larger, a full sink, a big toilet, huge lighting fixtures, you name it. End result can sometimes be a cramped kind of awkward bathroom that just can't fit everything. It's like you've almost gone too posh for the size of the space. And, you know, on that, too, one of the things that and I'm going to go back to electrical, uh, I'll see people do these updates in these older houses. And let's say, for instance, if you've got a house that was built in the 60s, 50s and 60s, you may have what's called aluminum wiring. And that wiring is a silver wiring. And if you do an update and go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy yourself this fancy new fan, and then you install it, and you junction that copper fitting with that aluminum, you've just created a nightmare. That's right. They actually make separate things uh, to put aluminum together with copper and everything else. This is not a... this is uh, aluminum is a tough DIY thing. I'm not sure that people really want to mess with their aluminum wiring uh, personally. I mean, you can, but it is aluminum wiring gets hot. It's, it's dangerous. Well, it gets hot and then it gets brittle and then it starts arcing. And so, you know, I'm not saying don't ever live in a house and you may. And, and how would you know if you've got aluminum? You would need a professional to tell you that or mm-hmm. you've learned it on your home inspection. But I, I just agree with you 100%. You need a professional that's going to come in, and it's what's called a pigtail. They'll add a pigtail at every outlet and every fixture and the ceiling. But if you come in and you add the wrong thing to that, you've just pretty much burned your house down. You've got to be very careful. Ooh. Okay, quick email. Good morning. My bathroom fan is very loud when I turn it on. It quietens down and runs smoothly after about 15, 30 seconds. Any ideas on how to fix? Uh I'm I'm thinking Jeff would say throw that one away and get a new one. I, being Jason, who would try anything first, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if a little WD forty doesn't help there. But I do believe that that motor's probably going. Uh, it could, yeah. Also, I'm actually helping a friend with that right now. So, and I'm like you, Jason. I'm gonna see if I can't figure it out. So I'm taking down the fixture, and then I'm gonna turn it on and off. And this is a two person, you know, somebody could stand there and turn right. it on and off. I think what's going on with my friend is that the flapper is not coming up. It's getting obstructed. And so it's banging against that thing to the point that it finally gets stuck in the up position. Interesting. So WD-40 is not going to fix that. So I'm going to, I've got to get back over there and um, figure out what the solution is. Well, and remember that, that uh, the fan, the bathroom fan. All right. Think about the ceiling fan you have in your room or, you know, whatever. Have you ever, you ever stop the ceiling fan after a while and look at the top of it? It's gross. It's Disgusting. horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why would that be any different in your bathroom fan? So that might need Thank cleaning you for also. Saying that. Right. Yes, and a vacuum cleaner just does wonders on those things. Right. So there you go. You know, we're going to go ahead and take another break. 
uh, it's time for another one. And when we come back, we will continue looking for your home improvement horror stories and anything else you're working on this time of year. So stay tuned. Call us with your questions, comments. Just tell us what project you're working on at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Simmons from Houseworks is out this week saving his world. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. How's it going, Pam? You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so Java had uh, wanted to start out. He wanted to fix a thing? Yeah, I wanted to fix a thing. I guess I had my nightmare uh, from this side of the board this right. morning. <laughs> um, but actually, as always, one of our callers, one of our listeners, called in and, and saved us uh, saved us once again. Um, what Earlier when uh, Kenneth called talking about uh, codes, Code. I gave the wrong place because Jackson code enforcement for the city of Jackson is actually doesn't really deal with uh, building codes. It's for other types of codes. And to what Pam was saying earlier, it can get kind of confusing and also depends upon your municipalities. So um, for anybody who's in the city of Jackson and needing a code for their building or their home, I would suggest go to jacksonms.gov. JacksonMS.gov. Okay. That's a great starting point. And uh, I mean, a few clicks and you can get to uh, slash inspections. But uh, JacksonMS.gov. And, you know, adhere to your uh, municipalities uh, rules and regulations when dealing with code. Right. Wow. That's all right, man. Uh, it's live radio. It that happens to us happens. all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, <laughs> let's go to the phone. Cal's on the line in Madison. How are you, Cal? Cal, you with us? Good. So what can I do for you today? Got foundation problems. Oh. So what's going on? Uh, Can't afford to fix them. Okay. You have foundation problems and you can't afford to fix them? That's correct. What? um, So you're calling maybe for resources? Uh, Whatever you can suggest. Um, So, Pam... uh, we got to think about this for a sec. All right, everybody start working. 
What uh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, we're working on <laughs> if it. If you lived here, it wouldn't be so funny. Uh, right. But, uh, well, yeah. let me say, uh, Pam, is there a resource out there that this gentleman might be able to contact to to help out with uh, uh, foundation issues? Well, Cal, I feel your pain living in a house that was built in '58. I, it's a constant thing for me, and um, I, you know. I wish I could give you some hope, <laughs> uh, but if it's not if it's not fixed and it continues to deteriorate, um, it it just unfortunately it's not one of those things where you can stick your head in the sand and hope that it'll go away. You could look at maybe some drainage, uh, trying to fix some drainage around your property, and then what I what I've done in the past is I will, as I can, have folks come over and take a look at it. Uh, that's not very expensive and try to get as much information on what the possible remedies are. And then I have to just uh, bide my time to figure out when is it'll be good to, you know, to try to get it fixed. Cal, but, um, one of the things yeah. you can do in the meantime is try to kind of uh, stop the bleeding a little bit. And what I mean by that is obvious, you know, the biggest issue with a uh, foundation almost always going to be uh, water of some sort. So uh, obviously make sure any water coming off your roof is exiting about 10 feet from your property. If you can, you know, or 10 feet from the house itself, the foundation so that the water is, or the uh, it's the foundation is getting drainage. If the water sits on the foundation, it'll, it'll never, it never well, and I think that's a, you know, and that's what I've had to do here is I tried to solve my drainage issue and mm-hmm. to get it dry. I think the biggest mistake that people make with their foundations is that they panic. Mm-hmm. And then you get, um, you'll end up with a lot of different opinions. I'll tell you what, every contractor you get over there is going to tell you something different. So it it, it is frustrating. I, I can feel, I can feel you, Cal. I understand <laughs> And it's, I've been working on it for 25 years. <laughs> right. Well, um, if someone in the listening audience does have a better idea, we would love to hear it. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Okay, so here we go, Pam, another email. I want to have an electrical outlet installed in the floor of an existing home. The home was built this year. I'm placing a long table uh, behind a sectional, and I want to add lamps on both sides of the table to avoid using overhead lighting. There are currently two outlets on either side of the sectional. Plugging the lamps into these outlets proposes two problems. Number one, they're too too far away from the outlets. And number two, the cords would create a walking surface hazard. How difficult would it uh, be to have them installed. What about the cost? Any other considerations or suggestions? Installing an outlet, the the physical act of installing an outlet is is not actually too difficult on a on a new home. It's nothing. Uh, but once there's sheetrock on the wall and floor down, uh, it becomes a bigger issue. You know, installing an outlet for an electrician is is all of ten minutes tops. But the the issue is putting it into the floor. So you're obviously going to have to cut into whatever floor it is that you've that you have there, tile, wood, you know, whatever you've got. 
Um, it's also going to mean that not you can't just cut a hole because you've got to run a line through there. And not only does it have to go under the floor, but it has to go up the uh, probably up the wall a little ways to grab the power from that outlet. Am I am I am I talking right, Pam, or am I off? Yeah, I mean, if it's on a slab, I think you're toast. <laughs> I just don't oh. think because cutting into a slab is you got all kinds of problems because you got rebar down there and. Um, without knowing what what you're doing and where you're going right if you're on conventional easy cheesy i mean i did the same thing i added one so to get to my sofa but i just crawled under the house and pulled the wire and added the outlet that was no big deal but and if I you're on a what, slab right I, yeah i don't think it's gonna happen it's gonna be difficult yeah and and for those of you who don't know the slab is just the the big literally slab of concrete that your home is on or your home is on a, a, a conventional pier system of some sort. And that's what Pam is talking about. So that you have a crawl space or basement or something of that nature that you can go down under your floor and then cut into it. It's really, it's much easier, but like she said, uh, if it's concrete, uh, that's, that's a deal. So, yeah. And I would, I would hire a professional to do that. I wouldn't do a DIY. If you just are really married to the thought that you've got to have that outlet, you better hire a professional because once you start cutting up into that slab, right. Uh, that's, that could really be a mess. And, and speaking of a mess, you mm-hmm. bring in a, a, a concrete saw or something to cut Ooh. it up. Ooh, you're going to have some dust. Talk, talk about a ceiling fan. Well, <laughs> well, and outside of that, uh, no one should ever take any sort of cutting mechanism to their foundation unless a pro has looked at it because the kind of damage you can do is actually deadly. So you just want to kind of stay away from that unless you have a pro with you or know what you're doing. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I- and in line with that, like one of the things that we we recommend, if you're in an older house, and I love older houses. I mean, it's no secret that I just love them. But stuff is just like us gets old right so your plumbing lines get old and if they're in a slab you don't know so getting a plumber over there to scope those lines to make sure everything's okay specifically before you buy it is a really good idea and then on your electrical if it's older electrical get a professional to take a look at it one of the biggest things that i've seen diy is papa gets over there and he goes yeah honey i can add this and that and let's see how many wires we can stick in one breaker. Right. That is dangerous. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got some calls on the line right now. Let's go real quick to Kathleen in Osaka. She's got a suggestion for Cal, who called in earlier and said he had a uh, had a, a foundation issue and uh, without uh, sufficient funds to uh, to to address it head on. What are you thinking, Kathleen? Well, like you said, to stop the bleeding and the most uh, efficient way to do it at this time is if he can get a landscaper and have him put in a French drain and divert the water. It won't fix it, but it may help unless the slab is already cracked and I have no answer. And on the lady with the lamps, Mm -hmm. they have lamps that have a battery in the bottom that they do not need any electrical thing, and you can move them wherever you want. They also have candles that aren't really candles. They're like sculpted or whatever. Right. But they have an LED in it that can act for the light. 
You know, the LED lamp is not a bad idea instead of having straight power to it. That's a great idea, Kathleen. Thank you. Yes. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Larry on the Gulf Coast. And uh, he's got some comments also about that foundation issue. What's going on, Larry? Hey, um, I'm a real estate agent here with Keller Williams in, uh, on, the, on the Gulf Coast, and I recently sold a house that had settlement issues with the foundation that had been going on for several decades. Right. Um, I know this is a DIY program, but don't ever attempt to do anything like that. But I, uh, through, through looking into different things, found a company called Ramjack. Yeah. They're a national company. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they were able to correct that slab on a 2,800-square-foot house. And not only that, they, um, they had different pay- payment programs. Right. Like one-year free interest or, you know, whatever you want to do. So man talking about, uh, you know, that he can't afford to fix it, that may be an alternative for him to explore. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Very nice, Larry. Appreciate it. There are lots of companies out there, uh, aside from just uh, what Larry mentioned, that will do that sort of work. Um, And there's some really good ones, and there's not so good ones. The big deal is that you've got to remember, you've got to check those certifications on contractors. Make sure they're licensed and all that other jazz, because if there is a problem, you have something to say about it if they're licensed. So... Uh, let's keep going to Darren and Tishmingo. Yep. Darren is in Tishmingo County. What's going on, Darren? Yeah. Uh, I was wondering about paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple extra gallon of paint left over and, uh, if I don't use it up too quick, should I watch it, uh, watch it and not let it freeze? I've heard, you know, if it freezes, if your paint freezes in the ga- in the gallon jug. Mm-hmm. Gallon bucket. Is it? Does it run it? Um, you know, Pam. What? What do you think? Uh, you know, I keep all mine out in my shop. As, and and if we were talking in, let's say, if we were up in Michigan, uh-huh. where it's sure enough gonna get cold, right? It might be different, but here, it's just our weather is just. You know, we're due a freeze. It is 2020. Right. So but the thickness. Maybe we're going to get one. But um, I keep all mine out in the shop. There may be somebody that calls in and tells me that I shouldn't do that. And every home inspection, almost every home inspection that I go to, the paint's outside or it's up in the attic. And I've, I've just never seen it stored inside. Now, the one thing I will tell you, and this is another thing that I was going to mention, Storing paint or anything that is flammable, please, please, please keep that away from your gas water heaters and your gas furnaces. Ouch. Okay, well, there's one more question about that paint then. Uh, I've had problems with mold in my house and under it. Uh, if I got it to where it was cleaned enough to paint over that mold spot, could I use it there? Does that... Does that is that a good idea to paint over where mold is or, you know, we, you know? Well, you'd have to seal it with a kilt. Okay. Um, but what I would do first is find out why that mold is there. Yeah, because um, it'll down. bleed right through any type of paint you got. Yeah, once you paint it, if it's still there, it will continue to grow over time. And it will come right through that paint. Yeah, yeah okay. All right. So right, you want to get rid of it, it first. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. We appreciate it. Let's, uh, you want to keep moving, Java? 
All right, let's keep moving. Let's go to Amy in Clinton and has uh, some suggestions about some stuff. What's going on, Amy? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, work, I worked in the electrical wholesale world for uh, too long, <laughs> but there is a product that is a hard rubber that's kind of uh, molded, and it comes with an outlet uh, on the end, a double outlet, right. and, a and a plug. And they could run that over under the couch, and it would not be as, you know, trippable as right. uh, the cord. They also make that same product uh, that's empty. They could run their own cord through it. And I, I just in this, cannot seem to think of the name of it. I do not believe it was made by Warmo, and that, but that would be uh, a name that I might check. But. Uh, it was available when I was there at Stuart Irby, so I don't know whether they, they still carry it or not. Okay. Well, uh, good suggestion. I appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. All right. Number calls 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. All right, Pam, ready for another question? Hit me. Let's go. This one's going to blow your mind because uh, I'm not sure if we've ever answered this question before, which is strange. Is baking soda... Good or not good for sink drains and toilets, Lauren. <laughs> I've, I've never even heard this before. I, I, is well, baking soda good for good or not good for sink drains? Now I'll tell you this: several people will say, "Well, mix baking soda with this in your drains, and it'll clean out your pipes." I hear that. Is that a reality, Pam? Yeah, I've used the baking soda and the vinegar before to clean my drains out. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think uh, the I don't think it would be a problem. But let me, uh, yeah, I. <laughs> you're gonna have to <laughs> Google that one. The magic Google. Machine? I'm gonna think on that because I use it in my I use baking soda. It's a great kind of astringent, so I use it to scrub out my sinks, and mm. um, so I don't think it would be a problem to use that. Okay, and uh, as the guy who does the least amount of DIY amongst you guys, um, I use the baking soda and vinegar all the time. Really, I rarely go get the um, like the Drano or something like uh-huh. that because it's just it's an, it's a natural and it works. It, it does work <laughs> if you follow it with that hot water. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it works. And it and, works, and you're not paying twelve dollars a bottle for it. So that's another benefit. All right. Um, Let's see. We've got one more email here to get to real quick. There is a gas heater. Oh, my goodness. There's a gas heater in my bathroom that I would like to have removed. The heat for the house runs on gas, so there's gas running to the house. Uh, Who should I call to remove the gas heater from the bathroom? A plumber, gas company, general contractor. Thanks for your help. Uh, Thoughts there, Pam, that you think would be a good idea? Who who really should I'd she call? call? A plumber. A plumber. I'd call a plumber because they they're, they're going to work with those gas lines. It's probably like a little wall furnace, right? Um, and I'll tell you something that I did <laughs> on um, I, you know, because I'll see this all the time in these older houses. But if you're going to take that wall furnace out, keep the front of it and hang it somewhere. They're cool. Uh, you know what? That's a great idea. Very cool yeah. idea. Okay, uh, let's go to the phones again, and Curtis is on the road. What's going on, Curtis? Oh, sorry. Uh, Curtis, you there? Yes. All right, what's going on? Yes, uh, 
had a question about a bathroom fan. Mm-hmm. My uh, bathroom doesn't have one. Uh, would it be hard to install one, or do I need to call an electrician or something to get one that's installed? Gonna, uh, yeah, Curtis, and that's just a great question. It Once again, it's going to depend. If you've got some pretty good attic access up there and you're used to getting up into your attic and know where to step, it, that's a DIY project. Yes. But if it's a difficult place to get to, then you may want to get a professional. I hired a professional to put mine in because my roof line was so low and it was very difficult to get over my bathrooms. But I wanted to have that fan. Right. So it really just depends on what your access is. And, you know, folks, be really careful when you're walking around in an attic. You need to know where to put your foot. Uh, well, yeah. And, and everyone's seen a leg come out of a ceiling here and there every once in a while. So um, I, I would say to this that um yeah you can you can you can do that i've you know if it, because the power's already coming to whatever your light fixture is going to be so you've got power coming to the area um i wouldn't think that would be a big deal except for venting are there any yeah other- well just make sure your vent goes you know we've had this conversation a lot just make sure that you add venting to it and that the venting comes up above the insulation there's no need to cut a hole in your roof and take it up there. Just make sure, you know, if you've got adequate ventilation in your attic, then that that fan in your bathroom will be fine venting into the attic. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. I hope you do not uh, run into any issues there. The, 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 the biggest issue is you've already got electrical going to it, so it shouldn't be that big a deal. And as long as you're venting into something that it's not just pure insulation, uh, it should work just fine. Yeah, just move the insulation around, get up there, get it installed, and then you can t- actually take your insulation and pile it back on top of the motor. As long as the vent is coming up above the insulation, you'll be fine. Huh, really? All right, any final words of wisdom for today's show, Pam? I mean, anything big that you need to just lay on the world before we uh, <laughs> head out of here? <laughs> Before we head out, well, just be safe, folks. That's the number one thing. If you're going to get on a ladder, make sure somebody's there. If yeah. you're going to have a fire this winter, be sure that flu is clean. <laughs> right. And if you've got any um, influence over hurricanes, please do. And please do. And also, get out. Uh, go out and buy you some carbon monoxide detectors. Make sure you've got those alarms and that they're working because we're getting ready to get cold, shut our houses up, turn on that furnace, and you just want to make sure if there's any... You know, gas is running around that may make you not wake up. That is fantastic. for that. (laughs) Pam, that is a great last thought. Thank you. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Pam Pivas, Jeff Sammons, and I'm Jason Klein, stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. Join us next week, uh, Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.